This is Trinity Church of the Vale Valley, loving God, loving people, and living free. Happy New Year's, everyone. This is Pastor Ethan, and welcome to 2023. Hard to believe. Today and next Sunday, I'm doing a special two-part miniseries called What's New? Because as it turns out, in Christ, there is much that is new. So thanks for joining with me, and let's jump in. So let me start with this. Any New Year's resolutions out there? I mean, big things, new things, big changes that you want to accomplish in 2023? You know, the impulse to seek change, to desire something new, this is part of our human nature. Statistics show that in America, people change jobs roughly every four years. The younger you are, the shorter that is. The older you get, it tends to get a little bit longer. And sometimes it's not by choice, of course. But we all can relate to the idea that if we can just change something about our circumstance, that then this will bring us at least some degree of greater peace, satisfaction, maybe meaning, quality of life. Now, a big reason for this, of course, is that our current circumstances can often be difficult. We may look at our life, our challenges, right, things that are going on and cry out, I need something new. You know, this human desire for newness, for healing, justice, for recreation, this is answered by God throughout Scripture, most dramatically by the famous passage at the very end of Scripture in Revelation 21, when God, when God proclaims that in Christ, He is making all things new. I'm reading from Revelation 21. This is verses 3 through 5. And the writer says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And he who is seated on the throne, right? This is a vision the writer has of the throne room of God, right? It is God. And God says, I am making everything new. Friends, hold that thought for just a moment. Last Sunday was Christmas Day. And here at Trinity in the Valley, we only had our Beaver Creek service. So most of you didn't hear that message unless you happened to listen to it online. If you didn't, I encourage you to go back and do so because we talked about this very, very important idea that in really in the literary world is known as a prolepsis. It's something that hasn't happened, but because we have absolute certainty that it will happen, we're able to live as if it already has happened. Spiritually, this is the concept of the already and the not yet, both that are true for us in Christ. I mean, think about our journey of spiritual maturity. Increasingly, as we come to experience change and transformation in our soul, how we think, feel, and act. Right? This is the process of becoming, in our lived experience, who we already are in our identity in Christ. And my friends, one of the greatest New Testament hopes that we tend to think is in the realm of the not yet, but that is actually already true for us as believers, is God's end-time proclamation that he is making everything new. 
You see, we don't just live in the hope of what will be made new when Revelation 21 comes to pass. But friends, we live in the hope and the goodness of what has already been made new because of our faith participation in what Christ accomplished on the cross. I'll put it this way. It's new Year's is a time that we consider new things that we would like to achieve. But this new year, may we live in the good of the new things in Christ we have already received. Now, lots could be said about this. I'm going to walk us through multiple examples of this that we see almost all in the New Testament. One example out of the Psalms. And I'm just going to touch on these. Really what I want to do here is remind us of this beauty and power that God shows us in Scripture, of the newness in which we now live. Like I just said, we're going to start in the Psalms, this beautiful poem where David describes the miracle of change and transformation God did in his life. But not only that, but even though, even though David wasn't aware of it, this poem speaks prophetically to what is now possible through faith in Christ. That in Christ, today, we have received a new song. This is Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3. And David writes, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. A new song. Friends, this is the image of a new response from the core of our very being. And it is a response of worship. You know, rather than looking at the world around us, the uncertainty around us with fear and insecurity, we now are able to look at life through the lens of faith, the lens of the truth of God's presence, God's goodness. And it will bring forth a song of hope, joy, and freedom, and worship. So friends, this year, as we go into 2023, what is the new song that God is putting in your heart because of what you have already received, who you already are in Christ? Moving on, we have been given a new song because, friends, in Christ we have received a new life. You know, if we ask the New Testament, what is the greatest and most consistent way God is making all things new? The answer we will see is that through faith in Jesus Christ, we have received a new life. As a pastor over the years, my two greatest passions, when it comes to biblical teaching anyway, are the miracles of our identity in Christ and new life in Christ. And one of the most in-depth proclamations of this new life is what we see in Romans chapter 6, where Paul compares our new life to the resurrection life of Jesus. So in Romans 6, starting in verse 4, this is what we see. And Paul says, We were therefore buried with Christ through baptism into death. Right? We died with him. The old is gone. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Now, friends, as I continue to read this text, I want you to just to listen for the results of this new life. Right, The practical outworking of what is now true of us in Christ. Going on in verse 5. For if we have been united with him, with Jesus, in a death like his, 
we will also be united with him in union with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, the brokenness of sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. And now, if we died with Christ, because guys, parenthetically, that's what happened when we believed. If we died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. And so death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And then Paul says, some of you have heard me preach this many times, in the same way, just as it is true for Jesus, count yourselves dead to sin, right? Believe that you yourselves are dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires, right? Why would, you, why would we do that? We are new. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument to wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God. This is an image here of a posture of living, a mindset as we go through lives. Offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And how powerful is that? And offer every part of yourself to God as an instrument of righteousness. And then in verse 14, Paul says, For sin and brokenness shall not be your master, because you are not under the law, you are under grace. Ah, so much there. Friends, this new year, what will it mean that you too may live a new life? And church, not only have we as individual believers been given a new life, but because this is true, Scripture says that we are now part of a new creation. Famous passage, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 and 18, where Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You know, I grew up learning this verse to say, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Actually, though, there is no gender in the verse at all. The NASB says, this person is a new creation. Because even this is an addition to the text. Because the literal Greek says, if anyone is in Christ, new creation. Now, of course, this includes us as individual believers. We are new creations in Christ. But the sense of the text is bigger in Revelation 21, or rather, if Revelation 21 describes the future when all things will be made new, here Paul proclaims that in Christ, we have become part of God's new creation work. Right now, we are a fully functional model of that new creation in our lives today and as the community of faith. And that is an example. I'm listening to a podcast by N.T. Wright, and that's the phrase that he says, like, we are an outpost. We, as individuals and as the church, we are this little, some, sometimes tiny, sometimes not so small, but this fully functional model of God's work of new creation that will be brought to completion in the image we see in Revelation 21. 
Oh, church, this is such a humbling thought. You see, the New Testament picture of the church is that when somebody looks at us, how we think, how we live, our integrity, our love, how we relate to each other, they should be seeing a preview of the new creation that is to come. Now, of course, we fail at this terribly at times, but the Spirit's work within us, God's design and intention for the community of faith is that this is who we are. In Galatians 6, Paul sums it up this way. He says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, right, external religion, means anything. What counts is the new creation. So, my friends, in 2023, what does it mean that in your life and in your relationship with other believers that God's new creation has come? Now, next thought. Friends, as new creations, this means that we are part of God's work to bring about a new humanity. I'm going to go to Ephesians right now. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. This is what we read. For Christ himself is our peace who has made the two groups one. All right, let me pause there. If you go read this passage in Ephesians chapter 2, you'll see that Paul is describing the Jews and the Gentiles. Those are the two groups. These two groups of people that for generations upon generations had been at utmost odds with each other, like animosity with each other. And now they're finding themselves both coming to Christ in faith. That's what he's talking about. And he says, For he has made the two groups one, Jews and Gentiles, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh, to reference to the cross, the law with its commands and regulations. All right, friends, we can't miss this. Right, what did Paul just say there was the source of this barrier, this hostility between Jews and Gentiles? It was the law. And what the law represents here in this context is the idea that we can be right with God, that we can be good and worthy of God's acceptance by our moral performance, right, on our own. And this approach to, to living, right, and spiritually, this approach to even to being a Christian almost always has one of two outcomes. And the first is just burnout. It's guilt, it's shame, disillusionment, and even despair as we realize that we can't do it, that we can't be good on our own, that we will never be worthy of God's acceptance on our own, that we don't have all the answers, and we're not able to make life work, and all of our philosophical or moral principles have no ability to bring about real hope and change in our lives. You know, this is the experience that Paul describes in the second half of Romans 7. But here's the thing. As painful as this realization can be, and it can be crushing, it actually is the doorway to freedom when we finally come to the end of ourselves and surrender to the grace and the mercy of Jesus. The other outcome, though, right, to this performance-based strategy of living, the other outcome is much more insidious. And it happens when we think that we are successful on our own, that we do have it figured out, that we are worthy of acceptance in and of ourselves, because, my friends, this leads to pride. And it is pride, especially religious and spiritual pride, that leads us to look to others with judgment. 
for our disposition towards someone to be how we think they are wrong, what needs to change about them to be acceptable to God and by extension, acceptable to us. And through Paul, God says here to the church, no, Jews, you look to your religion and morality. Gentiles, you're looking to your wisdom and philosophy. But for both of you, for all of us, our only hope to be right with God, to not be condemned to making life work on her own, is Christ. And in Christ, through faith in Christ, the dividing wall of performance-based acceptance is torn down. And in its place, God is building a new humanity. Paul goes on and says, God's purpose is to create in himself one new humanity out of these two groups, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. Ah, what a passage. Church, as we look at all the division that's present in the right, I mean, right now, it will be present in the year before us. What will it look like that we, as disciples of Jesus, have been given a new way to be human? That we have been brought into God's new humanity. And now, friends, now we get practical because it's new creations with a new life and part of God's new humanity. We have received a new self that has a new attitude. In Ephesians again, Ephesians 4, verses 22 through 24, Paul says, Now you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off that old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, which is created to be like God in true righteousness in holiness. Now, church, here in a few months, we're going to look into this closely when we get to Colossians chapter 3. But the image here is of us already possessing a new self, right? a new nature, a new character, and being told by God that we have a choice, moment by moment, to actually put on this new self, to live in the good of this new self, to set our mind, to set our hearts on who we truly are in our union with Christ. And let this be the source of how we actually live. In this corresponding passage from Colossians chapter 3, Paul says it this way. Do not lie to each other. Right? Because this is true, don't lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed, right, daily, ongoing, renewed, in the knowledge and the image of its creator. For here there is no Gentile or Jew, right, the two have become one. There is no circumcised or uncircumcised, no barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all and is in all. And again, parenthetically, I have to add that if you go look at the parallel passage to that in Galatians 3, Paul also adds that there is neither male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. And my friends, this gets practical. This new year, 2023, what will it look like for you to put on your new self, to be made new in your attitude and how you think, you feel, and you act? All right, moving on. I'm just going to touch on these remaining 
But friends, in Christ, we have received a new birth into a living hope. 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 4, Peter writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right, I just have to add this. You can see there in Peter's heart that new song, right? almost spontaneously coming out. Praise be to God. We consider these things. Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that never can never perish, spoil, or fade. And Peter goes on to talk more about that idea of this inheritance that is ours in Christ. But just with that statement, friends, we see here that our hope is the hope of resurrection. It is the hope of God's new creation. And our hope is alive, living, and it is the transforming presence and goodness of Christ in us, which we know and experience through our relationship with Christ by faith. And my friends, in our relationship with Jesus, we have been given a new command. John 13, Jesus says, A new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Right? Let me just say that again. Jesus said, How are you to love one another? As I have loved you. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Friends, this year, with all of the decisions, opportunities, maybe challenges that we face, may we always be asking, in this situation, what does it look like for me to love? In church, we are able to truly love as Christ has loved us because we have received the new way, the new way of the Spirit. Back in Romans, Romans 7, verses 5 and 6, Paul says, For when we were in the realm of the flesh, right, that's our just when all we had was ourselves, our own wisdom, our own effort. When we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us so that we bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law Right, we have been released from performance-based acceptance so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Right, we now live by the motivation and empowerment of Christ's very life within us, present by His Spirit that is within us. You know, we may think back to that passage where Jesus said, Love as I have loved you, and think, I can't love like Jesus loved. And you know what? You'd be right to say that because only Jesus can love as Jesus loves. So instead of us trying to love out of sheer obedience and obligation, just kind of gin this up within us, Jesus says, no, that, that is impossible. In fact, that, that's spiritual bondage. Rather, look to me. Come to know me. Surrender to me, and I will give you the power step by step to love as I love, as my love is expressed through you, as my life is expressed through the way you will love. Not because you have to, but because my spirit and nature will lead you to want to. As a natural fruit of who you are in relationship with me. 
So church, to come full circle, both Jesus himself and the writers of the New Testament describe this new way of the Spirit as the new covenant. The new covenant. The whole new way to know God made possible through Christ's death and resurrection. And this, we just talk about this all the time here at Trinity because it is so central and so profound that in Christ, we have been given, we are now partakers of a new covenant. In 2 Corinthians 3, 6, Paul says, Christ has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, right? Not out of religious obligation, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now, so much there, but moving on, just listen with me as we read from Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 8, verses 7 through 13. And for this, when we think about this idea of the new covenant, again, we see it multiple places through the New Testament, but the book of Hebrews, for all of its complexity, is the great proclamation of the new covenant. And in chapter 8, we see this. And the writer says, You know, if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, the first covenant being the law, if there had been nothing wrong with that, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is now the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. And here, my friends, here the writer of Hebrews, looking back into the history of the nation of Israel, he now looks forward to what would be made possible through Christ. He says, For I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. They will all know me. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. And by calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. And then in Hebrews 7.18, the writer says this, The former regulation, right, the law, it is set aside because it was weak and useless. Right, strong language. And the writer says, For the law made nothing perfect. And a better hope is now introduced by which we draw near to God. Oh, church, my friends, the better hope that has been introduced is the gift of faith in Jesus Christ. This is the better hope that in Christ we have been given a new song. In Christ we have received a new life. That we are a new creation, and as disciples of Jesus, we are a fully functioning preview of God's completed work of new creation life. It's the truth that we have been made part of a new humanity. And because we have a new life, a new self, we can choose to have a new attitude in life where we continually choose to live in the good of all that is new. 
Friends, in Christ, we have the better hope that we have been given new birth into a living hope. We have a new command to love. And we have received a new source of life, the new way of the Spirit. And in all these things, we live in the miracle of the new covenant by which we are set free from legalism and performance and have been brought into the better hope of drawing near to God. Church, this new year, what will this look like for you, for me, for our church, for the church? My friends, the Spirit knows the answer to that question. And as we trust, as we lean, as our hearts are open to listen and learn, the Spirit will lead us into the answer. And whatever it may be, it will be good. Trinity, I love you so much. Thank you for joining with me today. And I look forward to seeing you again next year. 